<laughs> we have an engineer in the room. It's all good. Oh my goodness, that was that was tense. Can everyone hear us? Hello, <laughs> welcome to Rail Natter, everyone. <laughs> Hello, we finally got there. <laughs> we got there. Oh my goodness, 1903. That's that's basically on time. Uh, here we go. There's there are people. There's currently the sweepstake for how long this episode is going to last. So uh, <laughs> Melanie Osborne is pitching at one hour ten. Melanie, mm. we're going to beat one. We're we're going to. It's going to be a tight ship tonight. It's going to be a tight ship. Um, yeah, everyone can hear things. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. We have. Yeah, that's it. We're we're here. We're here. Uh, let's let's um, very briefly do this. Hello, we're here. Look, Harriet's Hi. here. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. So tonight is a special. Okay, we. I've changed the format a little bit so I can be more rigid at the start and don't waffle as much. So, but I, I've already started waffling. So, okay, it's fine. Um. <laughs> It's going to be a special Rail Week episode, so line up your early careers questions. If you want to join the rail industry, get your questions ready, lined up. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I, I, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Harriet's here to answer questions far more uh, uh, lucidly and, and, and uh, eloquently than I can. Um, so that's going to be great. Uh, yes, it is. It's exciting. I've got, I've got my phone buzzing with people saying this is exciting about Rail Natter. Thanks everyone who's buzzing me to say this is exciting about Rail Natter. We're live. <laughs> so, right, let's go back to here. And then uh, without further ado, essentially, let's, um, let's start tonight's Rail Natter. Woohoo! City 225. As it fades out, we are left with the exciting news that it is indeed Rail Week. Hooray! It's Rail Week. Uh, let's 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 do let's let's get let's get uh, Harriet back. Here we go. We're both next to each other uh, talking about so Rail Week. What what's Rail Week about, Harriet? What why are we here? What's Rail Week all about? Rail Week. It is the best, most amazing week of the year, as we all know. Even those who who aren't in rail. Uh, all know about it. Us who are in rail love it even more. So uh, it, it's all to raise awareness of how amazing this industry is and uh, to try and sing its praises and inspire everyone to, to enter into the best industry in the world. So um, there's been some incredible work going on, uh, I understand, and the programme is even better this been, year than last. It always been, seems to outdo itself, doesn't it? There's, yeah, there's been so much going on. I mean, I've, I've just got the events list and they're just... Just like uh, you know, Deutsche Bahn and uh, and like Network Rail have got pretty heavily involved, and we've got there's like a huge amount of stuff happening um, tomorrow and on Friday. It's uh, it's going to be exciting. There's 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 much happening, and actually, I think the list of events here is only scraping the surface. I think loads of things have been going on that aren't necessarily on the main Railway page that are just springing up under Railway yeah. hashtag, and people are getting stuck in. It's great. Uh, it's really good. So despite the fact that it's all a bit more virtual and a bit less hands on than we've uh, normally done. Um, it's it's yeah it's it's great it's good stuff. Um, I tell you what let's let's do this. There we go. So that's 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 the news, everyone. We're skipping the news proper uh, because we we've got much to get through tonight. Um, so we've got uh, yeah we've already got people asking some questions. Uh, so um, so there are some people saying they want to join the rail industry, but they're not sure what questions to ask. Well, I tell you what, as we go through, I'm sure you'll think of things because we're going to discuss the skills gap. We're going to discuss. Um, well, actually, we've, we've, yeah, we've got a fair few things we're going to chat about skills, right, Harriet? Mm, we do, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're pretty much going to talk about, well, set the scene, aren't we? So for those yeah, who exactly. may not say that or not know that there is a, a bit of a skills gap in the industry, we'll 
run through some kind of key lovely data, some key stats to set the scene. Uh, then we'll have a bit of a natter on, you know, why we think that is. And it's quite a big natter. There's many different uh, reasons why uh, why there could be a schools gap. And then fundamentally, at the end, we're going to say what we can do to fix it. And hopefully by that point, we would have sold the industry to everybody on this call who thinks that they can potentially join the oil industry because we need to make sure we get the best and the brightest people in. So that's Absolutely. the rough plan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. That, that pretty exhaustively covers it. It's a better synopsis than I could have come up with. I think the key thing is if, okay, so our enthusiasm is hopefully going to you know shine. We, we love, both love what we do. Um, but if that's not enough, then there are f- weirdly 30 now episodes of Rail Matter leading up to this. And if you pick any of the various uh, techie episodes or actually any, any of the episodes in there, you'll find lots of, th- where I've got guests, you'll find a huge number of different, very excitable people, uh, very uh, you know pleased to be telling the world about their little aspect of the rail industry that we, they work on. So um, yeah, if you want to, there's plenty there, but also tonight we're going to be covering, we're going to be covering skills. We're going to answer any of your questions. It's really an ask us anything session. So it doesn't have to be on skills. But if you've got any career railway career based questions, uh, let's see what we can do. Um, yes. So right. Without further ado, let's. I tell you what. Before we do any of that, though, Harry, let's talk. Let's talk briefly about about you. Let's. Uh, so if I go in here, I, there's there's a, there's some there's some pictures here. Some pictures yeah. of you looking very pleased with yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. Even though we haven't quite got there yet with Crossrail, I'm still very pleased with myself. Um, but yeah, no, no. So to give a bit of a, an intro and a hi to everybody who hasn't uh, met me yet or or heard about um, kind of what I'm doing rail. Uh, I'm currently within Crossrail, so you may you may notice the. Uh, I know it's a bit of a selfie that one actually. So it's it's nice. in reverse on the on the hard hat. Oh there. yeah, yeah. Um, it does say Crossrail. <laughs> uh, so in the orange army suits. And uh, so I've I've been in Crossrail for a couple of years now. So uh, I first started my journey uh, into transport and, and rail more widely back in 2013. So uh, came in as a transport planner uh, at Transport for London. Uh, did a variety of different roles. Um, there might be some of you out there who worked with me back in the day on Crossrail 2. So another incredible scheme. So the future of rail really. Um, so helped develop the strategic business case there for a number of years. Um, went into the underground for a little while and then now out into the most amazing project you could imagine in rail, which is Crossrail. Um, and my role really at the moment is I'm very much responsible for um, these final hurdles of the program, mm. kind of transferring the program back into TFL, uh, all of the kind of the organizational aspects, the governance, the asset transfers, um, more of the kind of technical obligations and liabilities, all that fun stuff. Um, I've got to uh, help make sure gets uh, put back in its right place when we transfer over into operations back into TFL. So it's, it's, it's like a 20,000 piece puzzle and, and you're in charge of making sure that they're all fitting together properly and every piece is in the box. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, a lot of us in Crossrail kind of describe it as um, sort of like trying to fix an engine on an A380 that's flying like, you know, however quick an A380 flies in the air. <laughs> And you're like literally fixed to the wing, trying to fix the engine before it crashes into the ground. So it's um, it's an intense environment for sure, but um, but awesome all the same. So if you want, I mean, this one here, this picture. Oh yeah, right. you, yeah, go on, tell yeah, us. So this is one of my faves because this is from Bond Street, uh, mm. and some who uh, who know Crossrail and the scheme itself, uh, Bond Street's a bit of a problem child for us. I'm not going to go into too much more detail than that. Um, but but I do think the artwork is fantastic. So. This is artwork done from a guy called Darren Almond, uh, and he was 
commissioned to do all the artwork for Bond Street um, way back when, when we were uh, kind of starting construction. I think Selfridges paid for it, actually. But he is a self-confessed rail uh, enthusiast as well. So he his little studio, his art studio, actually overlooks uh, Westcombe Park. Oh, uh, nice. An entrance comes. Yes, yeah, so it's pretty awesome. <laughs> but there's some incredible artwork in that station and across all of them. And I, I thought I'd share that one with everyone. Amazing, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then so you, you also snuck a couple of other pictures through, which which I'm glad mm. of because, you know, I always like, we all we all like a little behind the, seat, behind the scenes look, right? Oh, it's Custom yeah. House Station. Mm. It is Custom House. So, so going from our problem child into our sort of like A-star student, Custom House was actually the, uh, the first station to be handed over earlier this year, which was a really big milestone for us back in April. Um, yeah, and it's awesome. I mean, you can see the roundel there, lovely kind of uh, Queen's purple there, ready for the Elizabeth line to open. Um, so yeah, it's really coming to life. So as much as there's a lot of uh, news in the press about, you know, we're, you know, essentially we are, you know, we've got a, another hurdle to go. Uh, we are really in the final lap now. So um, super duper exciting for all of us. And this is me with uh, the guys down in Custom House. And I think our CEO's there, Mark next to me. And oh, yeah. um, the guy, Guy Neil uh, on the other side. So he's the project manager, did an excellent job uh, pulling that over the line. So yeah, very, very exciting. So um, hold off on your crossrail questions, because I'm sure you've got plenty of those. But Harriet's going to be on a future rail matter, I'm sure. So we, we can we can bombard Harriet with lots of tricky, um, like media, uh, savvy questions, uh, in, in another rail matter, but tonight's all about careers. So we'll, we'll, we'll stick, stick for that. We've already had a good question, which I'm actually keen for us to answer now before we forget. Mm. It's actually a great answer uh, yeah. question. Um, so I'm going to bring us back side by side. Michael C asks, um, he wants, to, he wants, um, he knows he wants to join the industry, but, um, has no idea which aspect of it, any tips on how to find the right area hmm. Hmm. any thoughts i see that's a very good question it is a very good question i think this actually goes back to one of the reasons why um potentially people are put off by rail as well because a they don't really know about the breadth of roles available and b they don't really know where to begin mm. but um there are a few links i can send actually and i don't know whether we could do this and, and send them on the chat after i'll put them yeah i can put them into the description of the video afterwards and i'll tweet them out as well afterwards as well yeah. so if for anyone who wants to know links what we'll do is um the discord people who are on on here some of my sort of patreon people will remind me of all the links i've said i'm going to put on the description uh take note everyone can you do that um and then <laughs> harriet and i will make sure we've got those links in they used to be quite good so network rail for a start there, mm. As the infrastructure side, they do cover a huge number of different roles, um, but certainly it's not exhaustive. Um, and you know, so, for example, you know the train operating companies all have lots of different jobs as well, and the rolling stock operating companies, if you want to work with rolling stock. So yeah, I, I think um, yeah, there, there 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 are a couple of online resources that give that spread. I think across. Um, yeah, uh, there are a couple of magazines actually that have rail roles um, across right the way from early careers to late career as well. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the myths to bust as well, from my experience, kind of working in the industry as well, and I'm sure others are the same, but you don't necessarily either have to be an engineer or um, have a kind of technical background to, to, to make an impact in the industry. So um, I, I don't know, Michael, what your background is. Uh, may well be an engineer, which is great. Uh, help us plug the skills gap. But, um, you know, there are a variety of different ways you can get in the industry and, and really um, kind of contribute fully. So, you know, even from like a kind of project management experience, from the kind of more political communication mm. side of things, um, you know, these projects are huge and there's so many different facets to them. So 
um, yeah, I think there's a huge variety of roles, as you were saying, uh, Gareth. So, yeah, if I can send you some links, we'll, we'll add it to the chat and then hopefully it'll give people a good um, good source to work from. Perfect. Uh, right, on, on with the show, uh, which is for us to go, what is the skills gap? It's a fairly, I mean, it's a fairly reasonable question. What is the skills gap? Well, hopefully we're going to explain that now. And, and we haven't rehearsed this at all. So, so there are bits where Harriet will have things. I'm going to try and shut up mostly and let Harriet talk. But I'm sure there'll be th- things where we'll both chip in. Um, yeah. So uh, first things first uh, is to say, well, the skills, firstly, the railway industry is a very big industry. Um, it supports over 600,000 jobs, either directly or through its supply chain. That's an enormous volume of of, of, of people, of staff uh, spread across the country in in like every single facet of working life, you know, from people in kind of greasy overalls underneath trains right the way through to people on, you know, manning comms, social media, and goodness, in left, right, centre, every manner of job the rail industry is making use of. Um, so that's that's good, except that that does demand quite a lot of people to join the industry every year so that those numbers don't diminish and we don't struggle to deliver things. So I think we've got some stats that there's a mixture of stats that, that we've both kind of, so there's some rail things and some wider industry things I think here. So um, yeah. the first number, okay, right. So we've got some numbers. So there's going to be some stats stuff here for everyone to pay attention <laughs> to. First bit, the industry needs 10,000 new starters a year just to maintain current skills levels. Uh, yeah quite mind-boggling isn't it it's 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 that's a huge number of people the town i grew up in had that size population uh so it's just an enormous number of people every year that we need to be joining Uh, this isn't just this isn't just engineering this is sort of across sort of stem subjects and beyond but that's a lot of people just to maintain current skills levels i think this is broadly aimed at stem uh actually uh these these numbers so the next one is just looking even at hs2 alone as one project on top of the existing that's not just the existing network this is on its own little bubble uh, requires itself 600 new starters a year 600 people a year needed to be growing that to be able to deliver that one project gives you an idea of scale mm. and then the last one i think is that it's possibly one of the biggest and scariest numbers is that by 2033 which is rapidly approaching that's that's not that distant in the future anymore it's only it's just over a decade away We'll have lost 50,000 people just due to retirement alone. It's crazy. I know, it is crazy. I think they're saying, yeah, one in five rail engineers are over the age of 55, I read. One in five, yes, that's one of the... In yeah. fact, I've got your stats up here, actually, yeah. which I was going to refer to. I mean, yeah. you can sometimes believe it, but um, yeah, so pretty stark. Yeah, we've got this gap. There's a bit of a gap, really, in the rail industry where there was, there's a lot of people who recruited through the, through the 80s, and then there's a tremendous gap and then we've sort of started recruiting in a larger way again in the last sort of 10 years. But actually, there's so there's a gap in the middle. And that's almost been a bit of an issue in pulling more younger engineers in because there's almost a bit of a training gap between senior people and young and, and sort of uh, newer starters, sort of ourselves, sort of as, as sort of the, the new generation. I think we both joined the industry at the same time, actually. I just started in 2013 as well. There we go. All the best people, eh? I know, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, so lots of figures there. Um, that are slight, they're pretty stark looking. So that's sort of in blunt numbers what the skills gap is. Oh, yeah, I picked one example, which I think is quite relevant, given what we've been talking about on previous rail matters about electrification, but also about given that this is something that's acutely relevant to what the railway needs to be doing in the future. Um, so this is the es- this is the estimated shortage of people now that the industry wants and don't exist right now in traction and rolling stock. So that's in trains 
uh, and in um, and in also powering trains. So so that's related to um, overhead electrification uh, and, and various other bits and pieces. That's four thousand five hundred people missing right now that we need to be doing things that aren't there, which means that everyone else is working double shifts and achieving a lot less and making everything more expensive. So clearly there's a, this in one small facet of the industry, there's a huge gap. So I think that just, that's helpful to sort of um, paint that picture. Um, yeah, definitely. Right. And, and so this, okay, right. I'm going to get rid of our faces. Wait a minute. Let's get rid of our faces. Uh, there we are. I bet we'll start there. Yeah, yeah that's it. Right. What I need to make sure is that everyone can still hear. Can everyone still hear Harriet mention in the chat if you can? I'm, I'm sure you can still can. But anyway, right. Yeah. So this is a graphic from 2018. Um, are there anything, is there anything in here that you think you want to pick out first, actually? I've, I've, I've done a lot of talking. It's, it's... Yeah, no, no, it's good. I mean, because we, we went through this, uh, you flashed it up earlier, and I yeah. think it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's... We all come in one place. But um, I think for me, some of the uh, the particular stats that, that draw out are those where you see the massive drop in female representation uh, within engineering, oh, like yeah. huge, huge drop there, um, particularly from GCSEs to A levels. Yeah, this is interesting. And I wonder whether anyone listening as well, you know, whether you've had the same experience, whether you're encouraged by your your peers, your career advisors, your teachers, whether to to give up, um, you know, subjects within the STEM uh, fields. Um, and also, I think that's that there only a third, or just over under a third of of parents know exactly what engineers do. I think that plays to a huge factor that we'll discuss a bit later about how the actual perception of rail and everything within it is um it's it we just don't sell it well enough do we 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 don't capture the hearts and minds of people to really um articulate and um and clearly uh, visualize what the industry can do I mean, absolutely so, yeah yeah i think that those two really drew that out for me what about yeah. you what do you think what yeah you so, think? so for me yeah I, I have to agree the thing that's most stark for me is sort of everything in this sort of column here which is just uh, okay, so the other numbers are pretty, there's some huge numbers, but actually this column, this green column here, it's how little people understand our sector and STEM within the, you know, and I dare say it's the same within the rail industry, but certainly with engineering, the fact that there's so little understanding and confidence about what engineering actually is, yeah, to me, it's just, that's that's horrifying. You know, it just shows how poor a job, not just engineers, but um, as a sector, and indeed, yeah. indeed, at government level, you know, it's, it's, it's the fact that we don't have this understanding of, of how exciting it is to, to, to actually play with the world and make the world sort of shape the world to sort of um, to to or, 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 or rather minimize how much we affect the world but, and still do what we do. It's, it's, engineering is fantastic. And um, yes, yeah, so that just it shocks me. Uh, and I suppose that's what that's where Twitter people often say, oh, what are you doing all the outreach on Twitter for? It's not you know, young people aren't seeing that. You know, it's old people use Twitter nowadays, which is probably mostly true. We, we count as old people now, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, actually, I'm aiming at a lot. A lot of the time I'm aiming at parents. I'm aiming at people who are who have a passing interest in rail and might then pass that knowledge on to their children or perhaps to, to friends or you know, so for me, it's about it's about spreading that knowledge, and and and, and we need to do better at that. Engineers yeah. need to be empowered to talk about engineering. I think that that doesn't happen enough in our sector. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, there are some like really really excellent initiatives, um, particularly looking at the kind of the, the gender gap as well. I mean, speaking for women in transport, but um, there was one just to look at these stats now. Just brought home uh, an event actually I did do with uh, it was for Rail Week. Funny enough, ah, so okay, yeah. Three, it was about three years ago, and we did we attempted to do, and I think we did actually achieve it. But the the the, the biggest 
speed networking event in the country for real week. So we had, I think it was about 200 odd um, students. So uh, a mix of kind of young, young women and, and young men uh, coming into the ICE uh, to meet with lots of industry partners and leaders within the engineering, rail and transport industry in general. And um, do you know what? It was, it was actually quite heartbreaking because within the room, you could actually see the the divide, the stereotypical divide uh, between the men and the women. So all of the guys in the room, when they were speaking to all the industry experts and quizzing them about what they were doing, all of them had been advised, by and large, to take on things like engineering, things like medicine, taking on STEM subjects. And yet 90, 95% of the women in the room were all encouraged to do you know, I, I think at the time they're from quite disadvantaged backgrounds as well. And I, I it was very stark. So they were just encouraged to do things like beauty and caretaking uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah and, and really move away from STEM. And it's just like the stereotypes playing out in the room with hundreds of these, of these, you know, next generation kids. So I, when I, so I've, I've, I used to do a lot more stuff in schools and I, and I found out school going into school stuff is not necessarily that like it can be quite good but there's kind of a mixed set of results when you look at the evidence of the value of of that sort of activity but I've done a bit of it and I have to say there were several moments where I had to politely correct a teacher describing or suggesting what children were were not capable of and it's it's I have lots of teaching friends and so I don't I don't you know I'm not I don't want to cast sweeping uh, assertions but we need to do better as te- uh, you know our, our teachers need to be better informed we need to, we need to support teachers to be better equipped to know um about their own personal biases but also to have the information to actually know what engineering and, and not just what engineering but about what stem stem subjects stem careers look like yeah absolutely absolutely and i think that we're we're kind of getting there in terms of kind of raising the profile and getting all the right information collected for the teachers for the careers advisors you know and the parents but it is like a, it's kind of a three-pronged approach, isn't it? I mean, yes, even yeah. if you even if you did have a parent who was well informed and said, right, no, engineering's for my my kid. I'm going to really hone it in. I'm going to get them all the right books and um, put them on the right courses and get them to kind of think creatively and attack problems rather than away from them. Um, you know, if they go to school and their teacher says, no, they're not capable. They're they're pushing too. They're aiming too high. It can completely change the track. Um, yeah. Of, that kid yeah absolutely we've all seen it play out haven't we so yeah uh detour on on the youtubes is pointing out as as a lecturer in engineering um uh, in an engineering design and mathematics department it's noticeable the difference in gender split between the engineering courses compared to the maths courses our maths degrees are almost 50 50 um but then if we look to these stats so these are across all engineering by the way this isn't just rail these stats so yeah. these these look at engineering technology undergraduate entrance women make up only 16 percent and apprenticeships is down to eight percent there's no reason, no reason that these shouldn't be 50-50. No. None at all. It's just, yeah. Given that, given that at GCSE physics, you've got 50-50 split. Exactly. There's no reason for it not, that not to continue. So, so, there's, so there are lots of things to explore here. That's clearly not 50-50. Anyway, right, let's escape from this slide because there's a lot there that we could unpick and, and, and chat about. But uh, we seem to be doing all right time-wise. Keep sending your thoughts through. Um, Michael Donnell actually asks uh, about the best ways to do outreach. Uh, it's a good question. Actually. Maybe we'll we'll get to that one later, Michael. Ask, ask us again when we get to the um, the green mm-hmm. slides later on, the teal slides. All right, that's uh, that's my suggestion, Michael. Um, right. Oh yes, and the last point about the skills gap is is kind of some of the material impacts that has. So um, costs go up. So I think you sent through that uh, there's their estimates that it's around about 1.5 billion pounds a year. 
um, is kind of essentially lost the yeah the IMEC E actually I think according to, yeah you've yep. got the stats here um, saying it's costing the UK economy about one point five billion pounds a year so that's things like uh, salaries going up because of constrained workforce overtime being paid um, you know you know all sorts of different complexities that that result as a as a, of us not having people around um, anything else you can think of on that one Harriet. No, nope, I think you covered it on that one. Lovely, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. and then essentially every year the other material fact is that if we don't have you know if, if we're constraining how many people we've got to deliver work, we're not able to deliver um, any more work, or indeed the amount of work we can deliver every year goes down. So, if we're given that we're needing to be ramping up a huge amount of green um, engineering sort of you know kind of sustainable engineering projects, you know, electrification of the railways is a good example, um, yeah. high speed two is a good example. Uh, you know, uh, building new uh, urban transport networks, expanding kind of existing urban transport networks. These all require more engineers. These require more engineers than we have now, rather than just status quo. Yeah. Given that we have a still skills gap, we're just not going to be able to deliver that stuff. So it's really critical that we um, that we overcome the skills gap. Absolutely, absolutely. Can put back myself. Um, I mean... Well, speaking of which, let's get our faces back while I'm while I'm here. <laughs> oh, I didn't uh, notice that. I know, right? We're back. Hello. Right. So. Um, Next, what are we going to talk about next? Yeah, okay, so that's what the skills gap is. And I think it's worth, I think you, you suggested, and I fully agree that it's a good idea mm -hmm. to explore why that skills gap exists. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are quite a number of factors, aren't there? I mean, this isn't a, a kind of one answer fits all approach. It's quite nuanced, definitely. as you've already seen from the data already. But um, I think just reflecting on it, there's, there's definitely a few things, isn't there, that kind of draw out. So we touched on a bit earlier about the actual profile of, of uh, STEM careers at the moment. So mm. the fact that, you know, one in, one in, uh, was it one in five? One in five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one in five, um, you know, guys in, in, in the rail industry at the moment are due to retire very soon, over the age of 55. Um, and I think that ageing workforce as well, you know, puts a large portion of, um, you know, the skills at that end uh, will be dropping off very soon and will create a huge gap within the workforce and, and the skills gap there. I think we, we've also touched on the lack of diversity as well within the pool. So yeah. for various reasons, you know, we aren't reaching out successfully enough uh, and persuading uh, different disparate groups to, to take up uh, roles within the uh, STEM sector, mm. uh, and the in-rail itself. Um, and they're, again, quite nuanced. And I think we should probably go into that. It'd be really good to understand, you know, people's perspective listening as well. And then I think linked to that is also just the general misconceptions of what the rail industry is and, and the difficulties in, in spelling out what engineering is. And we saw that play out on the last slide very well. So um, the fact that kind of parents, only a third of them know what engineering is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, teachers, you know, probably advising, you know, younger students not to take on uh, STEM subjects and, and that kind of, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes it more difficult, I think, to enter into rail and engineering and industries because of that. So absolutely, I mean, yeah. That's the key factors. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, so so I think we've got um, I've got a few things. Ah, which reminds me. So we are gonna so we're gonna touch on that. So we're gonna expand on that. So the points that Harriet's made, I think we've we've got we're gonna break those down and chat a bit more about those. We've got some good questions coming in as well. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna pick those up in a second. But we've got questions for you. Harry and I have questions for you in, 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 at home. The uh, first. I know, right? It, it, it's all a bit time shifty because we're 45 seconds ahead of, of the actual world out there. But anyway, so that's why we're going to ask these questions and we're going to come back to them after this purple section. So the last purple slide, will, we'll come back to these and we'll get your answers. But um, if you so, so think about your answers and then when we get to this slide again, send, send your answers in. So if you work in rail, how did you get into your role, first of all? 
Second of all, what were your preconceptions of the industry? Uh, and thirdly, did these match up to the reality? So particularly if your background is perhaps not as conventional a one as, you know, if you don't look like me, uh, I, I pretty much take all of the conventional engineer boxes, I'm sorry to say. But if you don't look like me, and uh, have a think about those uh, questions and, and come up with your answers uh, towards the end of the purple section of this of, of this episode of Rail Matter, um, because we're interested to have it'd be interesting to have an exploration of that. I'm also pleased to see that people in the chat are answering people in the chat's questions. I love that. Yes, so love they're doing that. our job for us. But there have been a couple of interesting questions, so I'm going to leave those questions up for a second while we answer them. Uh, Matthew Singh uh, is 25. Most pathways into rail aimed at younger people. Is it still possible for me to get into the industry? Harriet, do you want to take, what, what, do, what do you think of that one? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely is. Um, I mean, even, for example, within uh, within Crossrail, within within the wider directorate that I work in at the moment, there have already been, you know, a few people come in from uh, very different industries. So mm. from uh, aviation, for example, we've had a couple of people from British Airways come over. So uh, to completely different worlds, to be honest, uh, from from from, uh, you know, a commercial airline into building a railway, but all very transferable and all very well received. Um, we've, we, you know, we've got people from very different uh, backgrounds, so uh, some from banking, some from teaching. Um, so, yeah, I, and, and I think they've all made the move um, at, at different stages of their careers, some in their kind of mid-30s, others um, a bit later. Um, some have had career breaks and, and had families and come back in and wanted a complete change. So um, I think just looking at the wider workforce where I work, I mean, it's, it's a very common thing, actually. So... Um, I definitely wouldn't be put off at all. I I would say in a practical note, though, if you are going to do that, it's all about kind of chatting with people in the industry already and um, and building a bit of a an idea of what the roles are. I think the best thing you can do is like, not to say the N-word, because I hate saying network, because it sounds really like prescriptive and horrible. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? But, but this sort of thing, but this is the sort of thing, doing this, I'm coming into the presentations like this where you've got a load of people in the chat who are rail engineers and indeed, you know, so I've set up a bit of a thing for that that's quite informal. So you can go into the Discord. I'll put links at the end. Um, and there's actually a channel on there with, like, rail professionals who are marked up in red and people who are interested in rail industry marked in green. And they already have chats in there. And it's all quite informal. It's, it's, it's pretty yeah, cash. Okay. So, I mean, for anyone in the chat, uh, that's not a bad... Matthew, go, go and have a look at that if you, if you like. But yeah. broadly, getting in... Yeah, this sort of thing, you know, sending emails to people in the industry or, or uh, there are... Yeah, it's it certainly, again, it comes back to the challenge, which I agree with, is that the rail industry is so colossal and nebulous that it can be quite intimidating to know where to start. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, this isn't a bad place, actually. I'm willing to say, come and, um, yeah, there's, there's some good chat going on about industrial placements and various things uh, as well. So uh, thanks to everyone who's answering some of these questions, too. Um, yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Um Oh, let's see if there's any other bits and pieces coming up because there's some absolutely fantastic amounts of chat going on in here. It's great stuff. Remember to at me in so I can spot if you've got a question. Um, uh, routes for existing engineers to change disciplines. Starting right at the bottom of three years without income, not an option. Uh, anything like the police with uh, fast track promotion? Question mark. That's from Owen O'Neill. Um, yeah, I think... So, for example, again, I'm going to go back to my comfort zone of knowing that Network Rail... And indeed, the, the big engineering consultancies like mine, um, we open our... So not everything goes into a graduate scheme. Actually, most of the roles within my discipline, permanent way engineering, generally come from people who've applied to become the, that sort of engineer. Um, yeah. It depends on the sort of role you go into as how many transferable skills you've got. So if you go into kind of this, the 
in the railways, if you go into pure civil engineering, you'll find that easier as a general engineer than if you go into one of the specific disciplines, perhaps. So there are different engineering uh, disciplines are really the sorts of different ways that engineers do work. So so I'm a permanent way engineer, but you've got the, the sort of civil engineers who do a mixture of the sort of more standard bridges and platforms and stations and structures and things. Um, and then you've obviously got electrical and mechanical and, and all these things, and they split out. So um, it depends on the sort of engineering you've done beforehand. But as as Harriet was saying, as you were saying a minute ago, you had, you, you've got people in the aeronautical industry coming across into rail. So uh, and I know quite a few, actually, I know quite a few aeronautical engineers who come over. You'd have thought theirs is the crazy industry that's all like, you know, everyone wants to work there. But actually, they say, everyone I know who's done that prefers rail now. So um, there we go. Not biased at all. Eh? It's just a natural progression. It's just, you know, the second, the second most interesting form of transport is air. Then obviously the first most interesting is rail. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, no, good stuff. There's some lots of great questions in here. Um Oh, so some people asking questions about obscure places that I'd suggest other than the train operating companies and network rail. Uh, that's a good. That's a good question. Again, I think going to some having like a magazine like Rail Staff or mm. um, some of the rail recruitment magazines are probably a good place to go there because I think that's a more traditional way for some of the small, say, a company like I don't know Viva Rail who are yeah. redeveloping uh, London Underground trains into, into essentially as new trains. They're quite a small. Yeah niche yeah. little thing they're the sort of people who probably do advertise through those sorts of uh media yeah it's a really good shout actually the kind of smes within the supply chain are kind of more um particular focus as well mm. yeah yeah no definitely it's a good shout um but googling googling job i think google is quite powerful at pulling out some of these job opportunities now um in some of these so so searching for I suppose again, it's knowing what to search for. But but yeah, I think a good place, to, a good thing to do if you're looking for a job in the rail industry is to, is to subscribe for free to Rail Staff uh, because it gives you an idea of the sorts of jobs that exist. It's a free, I think it's a free magazine. Um, it's just like Rail Engineer; it's it's a free magazine. Um, but also, jobs are advertised generally in some of the other rail publications as well. Um, so, but I think Rail Staff's probably not a bad place to start because it it generally is focused at at, at people and recruitment and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, some excellent questions coming through. Um, Right, so there's uh yeah, so the, I think so there are quite a few similar sort of struggling to find a way in with minimal experience queries coming through. So what I'm going to do is we're going to push through the purple slides now, where we talk about um, uh, why there's this skills gap, and then we'll come and pick some of these up if they haven't already been answered. Uh, yes, right. So let, let's do precisely that. I think I've left these questions yeah. up long enough. So yeah. right. Um, ah, yes. So this is what you were saying earlier, Harry. Actually, mm. so of the six different, uh, I've got six. I think different key challenges that result in this skills gap so the yeah. first one is, is kind of the obvious one i suppose is that there's an increased demand for skilled people um there's, there's you know more projects are happening rail is growing rail is a you know ignoring covid and covid will fade pretty rapidly railways last longer than covid will um and have we railways have seen quite a few crises through will continue to grow and and, and uh so that's a key one as you've talked about a lot and i think it's an absolutely crucial one we've got this aging workforce and it's not just about the fact that people are retiring. Uh, sorry to everyone there who's, uh, you know, the, the walking stick is sort of, you know. Anyway, um, but also the changing skills requirements. So there's there's a changing set of skills required to do engineering. Um, you can't do engineering in quite the same way now mm -hmm. as was done 30, 40 years ago. Lots of the skills are the same, but lots of the, well, lots of the knowledge is the same, but some of the skills have changed a lot. And so that's also meaning that you're, we're needing new people to join the industry um, or that we're, you know, we're struggling, potentially struggling to retrain people. So even people within the industry aren't able to fulfill roles within, you know, that they might yeah. have done once before. I'll give you a really quick example of that. Ooh, I mean, yeah. in um, 
So in my role at the moment, we've got to make sure we've got all the right kind of critical, skilled, uh, you know, people to, to to operate the railway. So so Bombardier, um, the, the company that kind of created our trains, you know, the, the lovely uh, stock that we've got, if anyone's seen them online. Um, but basically, they've they've done a really good job of trying to attract new engineers within their space. So all very much people who are very good at IT, software. I mean, these are digital training. This is a digital railway, right? So yeah. very, very different from the standard kind of maintenance operational engineers that we had, you know, 10, 15 years ago. The, I mean, it's a, a very different ball game now. So mm. super exciting. And they need some, uh, you know, some very different mindsets. So anyone who's kind of techie and savvy and in that space, um, you could very easily transfer into into those kind of roles as well. Pretty Absolutely. exciting. Yeah. yeah, as an industry, we're crying out for people who've got soft, soft kind of software uh, experience, any, anything on the soft side, actually, and, and, and indeed with kind of uh, digital platforms, all that sort of the skills that aren't traditionally associated with the railways, we're crying out for. And um, I think one of the channels, we, oh, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll get to that later on, because I think that's, that's one of the opportunities we've got. Uh, we'll get there. So continue to press out. It's 1940 already. We've got 20 minutes left. <gasps> see, I, see I, I told you time flies, right? Oh, yeah. Flick through, flick through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this is a key one, uh, which is difficulties in attracting talent uh, and particularly having poor workforce diversity. If you so so from my perspective, obviously, Harry, I'm going to kind of uh, hand over to you on this one. But certainly from my perspective, there are two sides to this. If you're not making the rail industry as inclusive as possible, essentially, we're closing doors and limiting that pool of work of, of, of people that we have access to. And also, Without having a diverse workforce, we have a lack of diversity in thought, which means we're not going to solve problems as well. And also, we're not representing our ultimate customers, which is people, the general public. If we're not representing them, how can we provide the right service for them? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't put it better myself. And it's um, it's not something we'll solve overnight, but um, I think there's some things that we'll come to shortly where we can, uh, yeah, some good ideas where we can help kind of move on this this this, uh, this issue with diversity because it's still longstanding. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, so this is a key one which I've tried to help with briefly when I got into lecturing, which is that we have limited training resources and a shortage of, of, of teaching and training staff. Um, mm -hmm. There's a very limited, there's quite a big gap between people who teach uh, for engineering, uh, particularly for railways. There's a very limited pool of railway specific uh, kind of at degree or, or at apprentice uh, sort of route, uh, very limited pool of, of teaching staff and, te and training facilities and resources. Um, and it's a problem. It's a real problem. So we're not we're just not training enough people. We're not getting enough people from finishing school or finishing university um, into the rail industry. And indeed, we're not preparing people coming out of school with the right pathway to get into the railways. We've had a few um, questions um, asking about uh, asking about sort of I've not got engineering degree, but I'm interested in a, a sort of, you know, there's a there's a definite shortage of skills um, that, that's causing problems. Uh, the next one is okay. So this is quite a this, this gets a bit fiddlier, uh, but I think it's still important. There's this, and it comes to stuff about outreach as well that we were being asked, we were talking about earlier. Though there's an uncoordinated range of initiatives, which results in quite a fragmented effort to 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 kind of uh, get past this skills gap to resolve the skills gap. That's a definite challenge. There are lots of individual small initiatives, and none of them necessarily are hugely joined up. Uh, yeah. Rail Week has been an effort to sort of join some of those together, actually. Um, but it's an uphill struggle, really, isn't it, Harriet? That's it. Yeah, yeah. I think things like um, like Rail Week and and you know, 
organizations like YRP are also excellent. Women in Rail, you know, absolutely fabulous, really great reach, lots of um, different industry partners working together with the, with the same goal. I think we need more of that. And also, you know, a layer above, you know, also working with government as well to shape the policy that sits above everything else. So, yeah, definitely needs to be joined up. Um, so I don't want I'm seeing questions, by the way. There are a few people sent worrying. Uh, Matt, I have seen your question. I'm going to ask it because it's a good question. Um, uh, actually, it does. I'll ask it. No, I'm going to put this one up first and then I'll ask it. So the last thing is, is kind of related to that. So the last two really are related to each other, which is that there's just a lack of joined up approach across subsectors. So. The institution civil engineers have their approach and maybe they're not tying up with uh, the IET, you know, um, or and indeed maybe the engineers aren't joining up with with the, the sort of the software, the, the, the kind of uh, programming, the, the, the sort of screen based engineering side. There's, there's a distinct lack of joined up thinking to yeah. sort of um, resolve these skills. Um, I'm going to ask. So, right. Uh, Matt Reed asked a really good question which I think is relevant to, to the kind of the training resources and, and teaching staff issue, which is, is, it the, is the skills gap just at an engineer level or is it at a lower level as well? So in my head, I'm thinking of apprenticeships and the fact that we have a huge shortage of apprenticeships. Mm. Um, Harriet, do you, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, for me, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's a systemic issue across, you know, all the different facets of rail. It's not just in uh, the engineering space. Um, and I think engineering is, is is one for sure that, that that's one of the biggest issues. We can see it in the figures. You know, I think we ran through them earlier, didn't we? Um, mm. I think it's about four percent of engineers in rail are are, are women. Which oh is yeah, Did we, I think that comes up. Oh, I think that comes up next. Actually, we're gonna oh, let's let's, let's okay. do yeah right. So this this is good stuff. Oh, so so to answer your question, Matt, yeah, apprenticeships as well. So it's not just engineering level. It's also at um it's it's a it's actually even at senior engineer level, but certainly it's engineer level, apprentice level. Um, yeah. It's not just at that that kind of um, graduate level. It's, there are other levels as well where there's an issue. So this one's interesting. So uh, 60% of the rail workforce are women. That's already pretty shoddy, given that that's across everything. It's not just STEM. That's absolutely everything. Why is it only 16%? Um, so of that, 78% of, the, of those women are in non-managerial roles. Uh, 2%, only 2% of those women are senior managers. And only 4% of that workforce are engineers so that's a tiny number an absolutely tiny number of a tiny percentage of the, of the rail workforce that are women engineers yeah it's it's unbelievable and i know we're going very much here in a kind of gendered perspective but it's so important uh because you know for example i mean even if we can see the figure we went back to before that you know around you know one in five engineers are, you know, due to retire by the age of 55. I think the predominance of those will be men. Mm. And therefore, if we could open up this pool by, you know, by at least 50 percent, you know, to get to get women, you know, fully represented at this level, you know, in, in 10, 15, 20 years time, we will be in a much, much better position to to, to plug these figures and, and to have a have, have less of a skills gap. So it's, it's a very, very important facet. Um, it's yeah, it's um. It's such a, it's just, and, it, and, it, and it's endemic really. So it, there, there are lots of, you know, diversity is an issue. You know, so it's not just, it's not just uh, gender diversity, but we're, you know, we're talking about, uh, the, the reason we're focusing on this one is because it's so, I mean, there are, you know, 50-50, there's no reason for it not to be 50-50. So it's an, it's an easy one to really make that case that, mm. um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's pretty shoddy. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, I just find this such a depressing slide. 
Like and it, it, it kind of it, it can feel a little bit powerless, but that's we're gonna we're gonna get to yeah, the green slides where it's all positive. So. Yeah, it, it, it does. It kind of rallies you into action a bit. I feel slightly, um, yeah, I don't know, in an odd way, quite empowered to maybe to try and do something about it, don't you? you yeah, kinda... yeah, exactly. That's right. the, the opportunity is there for us to sort of make that change. And, and hopefully, um, hopefully we're, we're going to talk about that very shortly. Uh, this is a key one, actually, which we've talked about. I think that green column in that Engineering UK slide with all the figures on it made this point really nicely, which is most fundamentally, people just don't know what a job in rail looks like, right? Mm. it's just absolutely fundamental issue that people just we just we don't do a good enough job of telling people what a job in the railway looks like mm. and also the, the kind of the variety of the jobs as well i mean mm. when when we think about rail i, I mean for me i i I sort of instantly think you know on the track uh yeah. on site but actually i've come to find over the years it's it's a hundred percent you know, uh, not just that, and we all know that. Um, but I think it just needs to be more obvious. It needs to be called out uh, in a much more accessible way uh, to the breadth of roles as well within rail and and how that all links together. Because fundamentally, we're delivering uh, we're delivering stuff that's going to have a huge legacy for millions of people for you know lifetimes to come. It's it's pretty awesome. You can't say that in many other industries. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You just you you stand. Can you can you imagine just making the central line disappear? <laughs> just imagine what an impact that would have on I mean I know a lot of people hate the central line that's partly what the whole point of Crossrail is is to relieve the central line but if you imagine the central line just disappeared how crucial a piece of infrastructure that is Crossrail is the same and and of course taking a wider sort of uh, look nationally mm. you know think about the Tyne and Weir Metro that system is a fantastic urban transport system you make it disappear it's going from strength to strength you imagine it just disappearing it's just, you can't imagine it these are absolutely fundamental parts of our social infrastructure um and, and 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 delivering the work, you know, and as we say, there's this huge range of stuff that makes those exist and continue to run. It's not just uh, munching around on ballast covered in um, uh, fish plate <laughs> grease. Uh, so, <laughs> ah, right, question time. So, uh, oh, a lot of hate for the central line appearing. Uh, nice, yeah. very good, as you'd expect. Uh, <laughs> so, you mentioned the C word. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, so yeah, there's quite a lot of discussion going on as. Uh, yeah, some some interesting. Well, so Simon Simon uh, ZK is asking about. Um, uh, hi Simon, uh, is asking about what we think we can do to improve gender diversity. We're going to get to that when we get onto the teal slides. That's when we're going to start talk. That's that's when hope happens, and we're going to talk about very soon. Talk about what the solutions are. Um, so these questions are back. Uh, have you got any answers, everyone? Uh, let's let's see uh, answer, answers to these questions that we uh, we talked about earlier. Um, so. So we talked about our, how we've got into the into, into our respective roles, Harriet. I'm going to go through and uh, did you did you come across like what were your preconceptions? You talked a little bit about them about being ballast, but you kind of half. What what did you think? What was and when was the first time you heard about and thought about a job in the rail industry? What was your first thought? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I was trying to reflect on this before the call, and um, I. I actually only found out, only really thought about it when I moved to London after graduating, um, looking for a job. Uh, and actually, one of my um, kind of university buddies, he um, he just started the, uh, the 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 grad scheme at TfL and uh, planted the seed in my mind then. So it was quite lucky, I think, that I was just you know there catching up and and seeing how people were doing, and and it kind of planted the seed then. And um, I never really looked back. I applied right away and uh, was very fortunate enough to get in. And I think since then, it's, um, yeah, it's kind of busted all the myths that I had uh, yeah. over the years. I mean, it's never 
quite what you think. But I think from our perspective, you can go from, you know, if you're interested in like the future stuff, you can do strategy and you can do planning, you can write policies. If you want to go into the operations and get, you know, down and dirty and, and you know, uh, maintain and fix tracks, you can also do that. You can you can drive, you can operate, um, you can deliver massive schemes uh, and then operate them at the other end. I mean, the, the possibilities are pretty endless. And I, I don't think I ever uh, perceived that um, before entering into the industry. It wasn't, it wasn't very clear to me exactly how mm. much we could do. I just knew roughly um, that you can make a pretty big impact working in, in well, I, from my perspective, in the transport industry in general, and yeah. then progressively kind of going to rail I was very, very attracted to rail just because, uh, A, it's my own mode, but um, B, I think, you know, it's the only mode where you can actually make it accessible and have a huge kind of social and economic impact on uh, the kind of city and, and um, kind of space around you. So for me, it was, yeah, it's just been awesome over the years. But how about you? What did you think before you came in? Yeah, I, I, I always thought I wanted to be an architect. Well, not always. I like until, until I started actually doing the research and I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be an architect. I want to be an engineer. Uh, because I didn't know what engineering was, you know, I didn't have that understanding. And then um, I'd always, I used to travel um, from, so I, I grew up in Inverurie, North Aberdeen, very long way away. Uh, and my grandparents, some of my grandparents lived down in uh, North Devon. So we used to drive the 10 hours from one end to the other. And when we did that, it was through the 90s when um, motorways were still being built on mass. So like I saw the M60, the M74, uh, the M1 extension up to sort of just south of York. So all these bits of motorway. And I was seeing them built, and I was like, well, that's a huge amount of disruption. And I was quite excited by the civil engineering, but I kept thinking, isn't this just, you know, isn't this just meaning more cars, which is, can't be a good thing. And, and, and I, traffic always seemed to be bad, and there always seemed to be an excuse to do more motorway. And it got me, th- and I'd, I always loved rail. And then I sort of basically joined the two together. Uh, so by the time I was going into university, I was like, ah, yeah, so... <laughs> If I want to do long linear civil engineering, uh, railways are awesome. I can do that, so I'll do railways, and and it kind of went from there. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, there's uh, yeah, so there's kind of a. It was just meant to be. It was meant to be. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. There was there are, there are like increasing volumes of evidence that my dad and mum keep sending me of pictures of me next to ro- railways and and get looking very excited and it's something I like. Oh yeah, there's uh, something in the blood. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So so um. What's going on in here? So uh, there's quite a lot of good ground. The chat has exploded. Many, many questions. Um, mm-hmm. Got into rail. Yeah, Matt Buck got into railways while depressed and on the dole. Uh, when finishing the P- uh, PhD, decided wanted to work on the railway and used a railway careers website and got a job at London Underground. Well, there you go. That's uh, oh, that's one way to wow. do it. Nice one, Matt. Good turnaround. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so there's a fair few people sharing their thoughts in the in the chat. Um, now is the perfect time to plug the Discord careers channel for answering the question without a 200 character limit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, brevity is an art form. Uh, it's true. Uh, lots of people said they always aim for a job in rail. Uh, well, that's, I mean, it's always reassuring that there are people who are inspired who, who want to work in railways. And yeah. we kind of need to share that energy around a bit. I think that's important. Yeah. That there are definitely people who have that energy and, and we need to just share it, um, share it out. Uh, yeah, lots of, lots of discussion of people sort of... Uh, yeah, people asking if architecture is a part of engineering. No, not really. I'd say architecture sort of spans across art and engineering. It kind of does a bit of both. Yeah, um, a bit much. Yeah, right. Okay, there's there's lots there's lots gone on there. Uh, yeah. Almost indecipherable in the chat. To be honest, there's so much chat there. I, 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 well, okay. 
Rail Natter is what Rail Natter is. I didn't say it would be a highly professional outfit. Uh, keep asking your questions and I'll try and keep up. But we'll come back to those thoughts. There's some interesting discussions going on, I think. And actually, those questions have sparked a lot of discussions in the chat, so I'm quite pleased about that. So, right. It's 1954. Uh, and, we're, uh, yeah, we're going to do our very best to get through the next bit. Um, uh, right. So how can we fill the skills gap, Harriet? What can we do? So, very good question, Gareth. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, so this is a very powerful image, actually, before I get to my to yeah. my answer. So, and and this really hit a chord with me. That Someone mm. sent this to me a few weeks ago, and, um, and I actually thought it was awesome because this is actually, this is almost how I felt a little bit, not to put anyone really? else in the relevant tree, but I remember my first, first day at TFL, and there's about, you know, 150 new grads all, all kind of congregating outside Westbury Circus or whatever, and um, there was a tiny huddle of, of of women in the corner, and just a sea of kind of grey navy black suits. And I, um, you know, and I'd never felt that way before. I, it was the first time it struck me that we had such a gender divide, and mm. I did actually feel, you know, quite um, apprehensive at that point. Um, and I think this actually really, I mean, just to be really upfront about it, it does actually kind of um, depict what it feels like to be kind of the only person. Or like a, the minority in the room, I suppose, as a way, yeah. not to be a victim about it. But in the reality is, you know, often, and and I'm sure there's many kind of women and um, you know other people in the chat that have felt this way over the years. If you've worked in the rail industry or um, within the sector, and uh, I, I do think it's important to raise a, a light on it because if we're going to fix the skills gap and actually particularly plug into one of those systemic reasons why we do have a skills gap, which is the lack of diversity, um, I do think we should show a bit of empathy. Um, so those who do have to continuously, you know, over overstretch, overwork, oversell and, and justify, you know, why we yeah. are here. Um, and I think also uh, linking to my solution, uh, you know, part of the whole of this is actually role modeling. I think we, we need to do more, particularly those in the chat who said they work in the industry and have always wanted to. I think, you know, those of you, you know, hopefully you're empowered and passionate enough and, and have the right platform to to go and shout about it to lots of other people and um it's all and you will inspire lots of people um by doing that just through your energy and through your own experiences and sharing your story um and i i think that is the number one kind of reason uh, and way we can actually plug particularly the the diversity issue as well going back to simon's point um is actually to get the right role models out there use them in the right way um and put them put their stories out there and uh the word will get get out um, i think yeah, I, I, this this cartoon is like it's like quite affecting, uh, and it's and it's relevant. I mean, particularly as it's a woman of color as well. It appears to be a woman of color, so it's like yeah. the the extremity, the extreme end of uh, of like uh, anyway. But it, it it hits on another point, which is something that the skills gap that we're talking about people entering the industry. One of the real challenges we have is people coming into the industry and leaving the industry again. And generally, it's women disproportionately do that because the industry does not care for those people provide you know it does not provide the right working environment for those for those people um, yeah and that's exactly. something that we that's something as we in the industry need to think deeply about why that is um uh but that's perhaps perhaps another that's perhaps one for another rail natter because i think that's a that's a worthy uh, point of discussion yeah um, i'd uh, say so yeah, yeah. exactly that because I, I do even think to some reflection um you know there are some incredible you know, senior women in the industry as well who are paving the way. I mean, the likes of, you know, Michelle Dix, for example, mm. who's been around, I, I, hopefully a number of people could know her. She was ex-managing director of 
uh, Crossrail 2 and, uh, you know, single-handedly kind of brought in the congestion charge uh, into London, you know, left an amazing legacy. And um, she's had a very non-linear path, through, you know, to get there. It's not just been a simple yeah. route for her at all. And I think one of the things she's very open about, for example, is that she actually job-shared and she was part-time for the majority of her, in fact, all of her time as uh, being a senior leader with the industry. So um, there are ways where you can kind of help adapt and, and support those people, particularly, you know, particularly women who, who may want to leave and have families. And that's absolutely, you know, brilliant if you choose to do so. There should be, you know, those stories of, you know, women who've done that and been there and made it out the other end, uh, kind of not yeah. being quiet about it and shouting about it and saying that it's OK and you can, you know, you, you can be accepted um, by going part time or job sharing or doing all those, uh, you know, great things. So absolutely. Yeah, and I think that plays. So I think that plays into the the example. So we, I thought we'd kick this section off. Well, we both thought we'd kick this section off with an exa- with an example of what you think is best practice, really, in terms of um, providing that openness. And actually, it probably contributes to helping people want to stay in the industry as much as opening the opportunities for people to to join it in the first place. So tell me that we've rationed pixels. Sorry, everyone. There's some minor <laughs> pixel rationing going on. But um, yeah, tell us about these this next uh, image or two or three. Yeah, yeah. So this one here. So I don't know whether anyone on the chat was actually part of this. This is back in 2015. So this is part of the International um, Day for Women in Engineering. So INWED, uh, quite a big day um, every year. I'm sure lots of celebrate it. And this was actually a, a, an initiative where we tried to break, and we did break, um, the Guinness World Record for the um, largest group of people simultaneously high-fiving at once. I think we had about... <laughs> I know, oh wait! So the next picture is is. Yeah. All oh, right. See, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that! Look at that! <laughs> Not only the diversity, but just the energy right there. I love it. Love um, it. So I think we had about eight hundred and ninety people turn up that morning. So all across the industry. I mean, this was a huge collaborative effort. So uh, women in transport were there. I think Siemens helped. Trans um, Network Rail. Uh, so many different um, kind of companies in the supply chain bringing out their you know, their best and brightest people. And, and we were all there to really just kind of bring life to uh, how awesome uh, the industry is. And yeah, it was a brilliant morning. So um thought I'd flag that. I think that these initiatives does... are great. They're super creative, they're super fun. You genuinely meet great people. Um, and yeah. I, I, think I think almost different. everyone in that shot is in midair, which I think is quite impressive, isn't it? <laughs> <It's very> good. <laughs> That's good. And then there's, so you sent another image as well, which is... Um, uh, what looks to be a different event so this t- tell us about this event yeah so this one so uh, the bdi amongst us uh, noticed sadiq khan there so just on the the kind of bottom right there, there. and this is our yeah oh yeah i thought red circle there good thing you placed it well um <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's probably um, fine and this was the launch of uh, another really good cross industry initiative within transport so called our time and it's all about uh, instilling the the kind of confidence and the mentorship um, for women in the industry in particular, and and here's just a, a kind of small selection um, of, of of the women that helped make it happen. Uh, so I'm the kind of bottom right there. I think we're talking about buses at this point. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, really electric and a super amazing kind of cross industry initiative. And um, yeah, I think it's in its uh, second year running now. Um, and there's around 100 or so people every year, um, um, incredible women at all stages of, of their careers um, from all different backgrounds who are supported and mentored by senior um, senior people in the industry. Um, so really, it goes back to the point of retention and, uh, and, and harnessing our talent. And, and all of these women in the room will no doubt go on to incredible things. So um, yeah, another kind of good example I just wanted to raise. So, 
yeah, it comes back to the question we got earlier from um, from Michael about um, outreach and, and what different forms of outreach are good. And I think one of the challenges with with um, going into individual schools is that that, that like it can be the right approach, but actually it's quite good to it's quite good to do. The challenge you've got is is to not end up going to the schools that have the time to facilitate that activity because you end up going to schools where the children already the, the pupils already have quite good set of opportunities. It's really important to. Um, pick up schools where those opportunities aren't being as well presented because often those are the schools where they don't perhaps have enough money to be employing a, a permanent careers advisor for example and so they aren't getting that information about engineering so it's important to and it comes to the fragmentation of approach as well so I think it's important to coordinate large-scale schemes uh, of, of, of outreach but also um, of bringing bringing pupils out of schools to large events kind of similar to this one really and, and, and empowering them to, to sort of see what see what see what um, op- options they've got yeah. uh, do you have any thoughts on outreach on different outreach things that you've done that you think have worked better than others yeah I mean I think um going back to your point I think it's yeah very important to kind of do what you um kind of have the time to do and I think schools are really critical and I completely agree I think if your if your workplace or if your university encourages you to to take the time to volunteer just do it I think the fact that if you are in the industry you've got to shout about it you've got to, you've got to knock on so many doors and um yeah I, I would say you know if you commit at least you know once a month to doing something then that'd be great I think also on a on an individual level um uh, there's a number of really great organizations um that i've joined as well kind of like stemettes and also things like the girls network who do more one-to-one uh, outreach as well so you kind of mentor uh younger um younger students who are interested in the stem sector and you can actually make a really good impact uh, on an individual level to kind of help them get into the sector and understand job opportunities do work experience show them the ropes um and that's been really really fulfilling so I can send some links on that on that front as well. Definitely, yeah. Discord people, some more links. So we've got careers uh, advice <laughs> links, and we've got some links on on uh, organisations for outreach. And um, Ella, Ella, the developer, has brought up a, a, an interesting point that I think is is worth briefly discussing, which is that there can be issues around the railways having uh, it can be gate kept a little bit by an enthusiast community that not all, but certainly some, can be quite. Um, fixed thinking about what the railway looks like and should be like and can cause problems and indeed I, I constantly get sent pictures from from friends of, of rail enthusiast groups who are um, upset when someone corrects them on the, using the term signalman uh, erroneously and yeah. not using signaler and, and and little things like that can be a real issue particularly thing you know particularly in relation to sort of um, uh, not just not just women but also you know uh, people who are gender fluid or or, or yeah. trans people uh you know, race is still a bit. You know, that all these aspects of the, of of, of uh, so that can be a challenge. But but there's definitely cause for hope because I th- see a lot of young people being excited about railways these days more than in the past. I think there's a huge swathe of young people who are excited about railways, partly driven by uh, the climate and and the, and the importance of the railways within that. And they're changing that. They're you know bright, young, and forward looking, and and I think that is changing, which is good, which is really good. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, good good question, Ella. Thanks thanks for pointing that out. Um, yeah, lots of lots of good stuff. Uh, we've got uh, Ian Davis asks, are colleges like Newcastle and um, and uh, the National College for High Speed Rail slash NCATI or whatever their name is nowadays uh, working to help fill the skills gap? Um, 
Well, NCAT is in a pretty unhealthy way at the moment. I don't. They've they've not renewed the contracts of lots of staff, including myself, and I think they're getting gobbled up by the University of Birmingham. So that's that's kind of hopeful because Birmingham's a very good institution. So I, I do. They are trying to. The challenge we've got is that um, government, and we'll talk about government in a minute. You have to have a supply of work to encourage the industry to continue to roll that that sk- mm-hmm. send people to those skills um, institutes. You know, the you know, colleges and things. Anyway, right. We're going to press on because. Uh, time it's already 20 or 6 you don't mind running a little bit over do you no no problem at all i mean to be fair yeah i don't we don't have social lives anymore do we with covid so no (laughs) i'm I'm drinking water out of a out of a what (laughs) is this people might have seen this a few times this is a derby remodeling project bottle that i was sent by a a, a nice network rail pm you can't see it because it's it's a blue bottle with black text anyway yeah it's not very exciting tonight normally normally i've got like a during summer i had a kombucha that was like my uh that was my like uh go-to drink uh highly recommended (laughs) Uh, right. Anyway, okay. So, so this is uh, Harriet's top five list of things that we need to do. Um, Harriet, so so number one, tell us about uh, the first one that you've got. This is yeah, school level. I mean, I said it briefly just now. I think you've got to you've got to hit the next gen. Uh, if anyone has any experience in any shape or form within the industry, get out, even if it's you know once a quarter, but ideally you know once a month. Find a school in your area. Um, and and then do a presentation go and meet the kids uh big up what you do uh sell the industry absolutely next one is uh not moving because i just clicked on the youtube ah right yes um so this is almost a bit of a call to arms to government from you there i think this one mm, yeah i think apprentices are a really um you know excellent way of trying to get the next one in i think now particularly as well within the context of universities being so expensive we've got a huge audience now people turning to apprenticeships really bright amazing people um tfl have done an excellent job of building a pipeline of incredible apprentices so um yeah i think it's a no-brainer we've got to keep investing in this definitely and it's up to companies also to 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 take a bit of a punt on this take take a bit more risk and and invest in the future um next one oh i like this one yeah Mm, yeah, and and this kind of goes back to my point earlier about when I talked about um, Michelle Dix, for example. I mean, the one thing we can do when we have role models as well, if we get them out there, and for all of you out there, the role models who are going to go and go to your schools and uh, and preach about the industry, also promote uh, how you can actually move around in your in your field in your sector. Promote the range of roles. Um, talk about your own role, obviously, but. But I think it's really, really important to, to, to show the breadth of opportunities. So, um, again, we'll, we'll send some links to kind of help showcase some of that more broadly. But if you do work within a wider talk or within a wider kind of transport uh, industry like TFL or Network Rail or one of the bigger industries, you know, it's very, very um, much easier, I think, to, to sell all the different options available. So don't forget to do that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a funny one because the rail industry, once you're into it, it and you've kind of established yourself a bit in the rail industry, it is easy to move around and across between organizations and sectors, a bit like in yon olden days when it was all under one BR headline. But I think one major difference is that it's the accessibility, the nebulous nature of the rail industry is very intimidating for people who don't know where to start, particularly if they're interested in working with an SME. Um, it is challenging, and I think there aren't the resources that pull all of that together. We're going to try and break some of that with um, with the links that we'll put in um, into the description, I think. But um, yeah, right, yeah, you are right, though. It is a gap. So um, yeah, it's something we've all got to work on. So the more we can kind of share with each other, I think yeah. the better we'll get there. To Definitely. Um, so the next one is, yeah, this is a very important one. Uh, so increasing pay at all levels and addressing the gender pay gap. Yeah. So 
Uh, oh, so far, I just realised I've not been doing a very good job of audio describing for the people who are watching this in podcast form. So, so far, we'll do all five and then I'll read them all out again. So, tell us about this one then. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the gender pay gap is pretty, um, pretty stark across the industry, just purely because we don't have enough representation at senior level. Mm. Um, you, you tend to have a quite a big drop off um, of women at the, the, the mid middle management layer for, for various reasons. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, increasing pay at all levels, I think that's, um, well, to be fair, I, I think there needs to be some sort of openness about this um, across the industry yep. uh, to help kind of fix a, a level playing field. Um, but I think the reporting that we have now that's, that's kind of in legislation, all the major companies above 200 people have to report on it. Um, so I think anyone entering into the industry, whether you're, you know, a, a man or a woman, um, you know, make sure we, we address this seriously. And um, and as you progress through your career, uh, talk about it, talk about pay, make sure people around you in your team are, you know, there's no discrepancies. And it's a hard thing to do, but I think it's one of those things that will prevent more women coming into the industry and staying in the industry and getting to senior level if we don't, if we don't do enough to, to rectify it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we need to be at a place where no matter what your gender, there's the, 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 the pay is not something that is genuinely off-putting to, to to you know to to you either joining or indeed remaining in the industry absolutely and the last um the last point that you've put in of your top five yep so improving the image and we talked about this and also role models and and i think through the role modeling you can very quickly you know bust the myths so you i think if you're in the industry be prepared to kind of speak about your story and, and connect audiences, whether it be, you know, at a school level, university level, or, you know, through other kind of, uh, you know, staff groups, uh, for example. Um, I think, you know, the more we can encourage role models to, to get out and be visible and show there's not just a linear path, uh, tell the kind of truths of their industry as well, um, then I think people will, will kind of see themselves more in, in the positions in our industry. They'll they'll be able to imagine, imagine themselves there. So really key. And that's such an important thing about um, inclusion and diversity as well, is that, and it's true across every single workplace, not just in, not just STEM, just across the whole thing. If you can't, if you're not seeing people who look like you uh, and who, who have your background in an industry, in, in a job, it's, it's much more difficult to visualize yourself in that role. It's really important that we have prominent role models who are representative of society at large and aren't all just pale male stale it's really important yeah, it really is yeah there, there was did you read that um i'll send around another link oh, another I'm discord gonna... people another link but, yeah but super super interesting uh, research that that someone sent me the other the other week and uh it was basically around the power of role modeling and how it impacts um kind of personal behavior particularly in leadership roles mm. so they did this this study with about 200 young women and they had half the cohort basically had pictures of a really prominent amazing female role models michelle obama you know others hillary clinton people who are you know very high up in their fields and they had them posted at the back of the room while people while these respondents had to do a very scary presentation in front of a large audience ah. And those people who had the visible, visible role models, uh, successful female role models at the back of the room, uh, you know, did were, were graded much more highly within their presentation skills and graded themselves much more highly as well, which is quite interesting um, compared to those respondents that didn't have any any visible role models at the back. So I think there is almost like a kind of underlying a subliminal power to all of it as well. Mm. 
That's yeah, that's that's fascinating. That's really good. Yeah, we'll send the link through. That's an interesting one. So yeah. the top five are uh, the diff things that we need to do to solve uh, or to to at least help resolve the um, the skills gap uh, in the rail industry. Number one is increase awareness at school level. Number two is to invest in apprenticeship and on the job training. Number three is to promote potential career progression and a range of roles that the the rail industry offers. Uh, Number four is to increase pay at all levels and most critically to address the gender pay gap. And the last, number five, is to improve the image of the rail industry, including visible role models and busting myths. I think that's it. Some of those are more personally achievable than others. I think we're going to go through a little bit of who who can do what. Uh, But I think that five is is kind of a pretty decent roll call of roll a kind of a call to action of things that that some of us can do and things that we can prod others to do as well including our mps we'll get to that so um oh yeah the main thing it's kind of pretty much what you said so this is definitely the thing that we can all be doing if we're in the rail industry and indeed if you're working your way through joining the rail industry and you've already kind of started on that journey is to tell everyone how great rail is hooray (laughs) it's a a key one right um is to just tell everyone the, just just really spread the word on how much fun you can have uh, in a job in the rail industry um and don't get me wrong it's 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 not all daisies and buttercups uh, 100% of the time uh, jobs can be hard but the point is that the railway is an incredibly rewarding place to work um and, and the, the the idea that there is a railway family the idea that you do feel part of something bigger something that's really supporting society is certainly true i think um harriet i, I, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that but I, do you feel part of, the, of a railway family Oh, I love that you said a railway family because actually I, I think that's a lovely way of putting it because you do, you really do. You feel mm. like some part of something much, much bigger and you're all in it together. And um, yeah, it definitely does feel like a family, actually. That's a lovely way of putting it. So yeah, and I think also a big shout out to people like YRP and, and, and the crew out there because I, I think they also create uh, that feeling of like family and belonging and a, mm. you know, kind of bigger collective. So so. Yeah, and they're great at telling everyone how real. Um, they're great at telling everyone how great railway is. So yeah, so say, that's yeah, it. So yeah. so the next few slides I think are, are kind of talking about. So the first thing is that there's no avoiding the fact that a lot of this stuff needs to be led from the top, and by the top we mean government, and by the top we mean actually HM Treasury, because uh, one of the things. So I haven't talked about it a huge amount in this. Uh, piece because we're already at 2016 so clearly there's already lots to talk about um but uh the fact that we need long-term decision making and long-term strategy for rail is a major problem and that's a major component of why we have the skills gap and we'll talk about that uh i'll talk about that in the future at some point but um government needs to take the lead on this uh so you know treasury department for education department for transport uh bays and indeed the cabinet office all have to be involved in in leading the charge in in resolving this stuff it can't all happen underneath because ultimately the railway is a state whether, whether no matter whose name is on that various paychecks it's a massive state entity that requires state involvement um and and sort of uh strategy being set by those who are elected to be in power so um and and the people who support them so so government has to take has to really lead the charge but also you have the professional institutions. So I, I saw David Shearers is with us. So David, hello. I've been plugging rail staff. You'll be glad to hear one of your sister uh, publications. Um, and uh, yeah, so so the, he was talking about professional institutions. So you know the likes of the Permanent Way Institution, my my professional institution, also the IC as well, the IMECE, IET, uh, IRSE, Institution Railway Signal Engineers. Get involved in these organisations if you're in the industry. Um, and if you're not in the industry. 
you can look these in these these organizations up and they provide a huge amount of resources to help you understand what uh, engineering looks like in the rail industry and they're a good source they're a good place to go to network if you're you know if you're in sick form or uh, studying at university look up your local section and go and join their meetings you, they, they'll i think certainly in the case of the permanent way institution they offer free membership if you're if you're training so um go and see you know get the get the journal Go and visit um, uh, section meetings. Okay, COVID's putting paid to quite a lot of those at the moment. There are a lot of virtual meetings at the moment, so it's arguably easier to attend a lot of these meetings. Um, yeah, get involved in your professional institutions. Uh, cannot really stress that enough. Major source of, of understanding, particularly for engineering. Uh, but actually, there are also other, you know, the Chartered Institute of Highways and Transportation. You've got the the, the, the uh, Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. You've got um, the, the planning. You, you've got the... Uh, Institute of Railway Operators. You've got lots of non-engineering institutions as well, professional institutions that can support you and provide access to these things. Um, yes, the colleges. We talked about the the sort of apprentice level and sort of technician level uh, training. Uh, so the National Skills Academy and the National Training Academy for Rail. Uh, my personal opinion is that these should all be one thing, frankly. I think it can be a bit confusing. But anyway, these are three um, training organizations aimed at uh, apprenticeship and technician level sort of training. Uh, and indeed mature kind of um, post-degree training as well. And of course, the universities have a major part to play. So, you know, the likes of the University of Birmingham, Huddersfield and Southampton, these are kind of some of the leading railway uh, universities, you know, major railway institutes at these uh, universities. These are All these organisations can offer advice, they're places to speak to, they're, but they're also people who should be leading the charge in growing the industry uh, and uh, trying to plug that skills gap. But I think mm. most of all, Harriet... Uh-huh. You, that's it most of all don't be afraid to sit in the driver's seat (laughs) yeah it's as if we rehearsed it yes it is if like no matter where you sit in the rail well in fact harriet tell us about this so so this is your perspective on sort of ultimately what what it all boils down to Tell, tell us what you think yeah i mean i think ultimately for all of us any stage of career we're in whether we're in the rail industry whether we're thinking about entering it um you know ultimately what i've learned anyway what i wanted to pass on was um just uh, go for it, try new things, uh, meet new people, uh, try things that you don't want to do and, and you fail and it's okay. Try things that you find out you don't really know much about at the time and then you find out you absolutely love it and then you pursue it with all your passion and all your might and work hard to do it. Um, and ultimately just, yeah, don't be afraid to to take charge and, um, and, and, and be, be in control of kind of where you go within rail as well and uh, make it the best you can be. So and this is this is one of the highlights of my entire uh, career, I think, so far. Kind of having a go at driving the uh, the district line S stop there. So um, yeah, it's pretty awesome day, and it was very sunny as well. So <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty jealous of, of what looks like a quite st- stunning sunny day. I had a cab ride, but I didn't get the, get behind the controls reassuringly because the train was going 125 <laughs> miles an hour down the East Coast Main Line. So I think everyone's glad that I wasn't touching the controls mm-hmm. of a train. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's amazing. I love that picture. You, you look quite, you look pretty pleased with yourself, to be honest. I think. I'm, I'm arguably smug. a bit smug maybe you know <laughs> I, I'm a wee bit, I'm a wee bit smug I mean look at that poor driver Andy there I mean he's just like please let me get back in the seat he looks nervous he looks very nervous now look at it yeah. uh, I love it it's so good it's so good yeah so um let's 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 get back side by side here we are so um Oh well, thank. Firstly, thanks, Harriet. For I mean, we're not we're not quite finished yet. We've uh, it's going to end up being an hour and a half. You know that. I mean, it's just oh wow! I think we've granted. blown all of our all of our time. Uh, we've just disintegrated a time. For everyone who's joined, who's not used to rail matters, I can only apologise. But um, now we've had a good group of uh, of lots of familiar faces. 
um, in here. Oh, the IRC membership isn't fr- uh, isn't free for early stages. Ah, oh, well, IRC, you need to get on that because uh, it's oh, it's a no brainer, uh, yeah. absolute no brainer. Uh, IRSE people do follow me. Yeah, get get on that, David. Can you, David? You're in the chat. Prod the IRSE about that. Uh, I know that you're you're an IMECI, uh primarily, but I'm sure you've got some IRSE contacts. Um, right. Yeah. So send your questions. More questions. Uh, send them through. Um, while while you send your questions through, actually, I'm going to go back to our small faces because we can talk about what's coming up in rail uh, in the rest of Rail Week. So there's two days left, and oh my goodness, so much stuff going on. Um, there is so. It's amazing, it's isn't so it? Actually, some of the stuff is very pertinent to what we talked about. I think there's one on um, so there's one on role modeling. I think in the next oh on Friday, it, yeah. So this is Thursday. Friday, yeah, yeah. So there's like Deutsche uh, DB Cargo are doing some stuff. Network Rail have done all week. They've been doing their day in the life of a Network Rail engineer, which is really great. Um, awesome. We've got uh, yeah some more freight. Actually, the freight companies have been getting really stuck in. The freight line are getting stuck in as well. Um, but also yeah, so um, Friday is just a feast. So I think DB Cargo have been doing themes each day. So that so so the previous one was exciting. This one's in power. We've got mind the language gap. That's quite interesting about language skills. Lucy would be all over that. I, I was like, surely that's a Lucy one, but actually isn't Lucy running it? I don't think. But uh, Lucy would be all over that anyway. Um, Network Rails. So the right track to diversity. So this looks very interesting. That should be a, an interesting one. Uh, kind of just running up an early lunch there. Um, the Rail Industry Association, and I presume that's Women in Rail there, that's and it's about right. role models that look like me. So this is this is a really important one, just as you were saying, Harriet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that'd be a super interesting one if people haven't signed up to that. I mean, I'll definitely be there. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to tune into that one. And then, um, so kind of all afternoon, the Rail Human Library will be kicking off. Uh, good goodness, I need to send through my video for that actually. Uh, but if not, I'll be getting through, getting involved in the hashtag if I if I end up being distracted by day job, which you know tends to happen. What is that? The Rail Human Library. What is so, it? So, so previously, it was basically where you had like people. People would kind of. Uh, it was almost like speed dating, where you'd have some engineers, yeah. some engineers, or actually, it wasn't just engineers. It was people right the way across the whole industry. So, so it wasn't just STEM. It was everything, um, and meeting uh, students coming through school students at sort of GCSE level, actually, I think, and even some earlier than that, actually. So, it was, for me, it was like really, it's really important to almost get before GCSEs and really kind of. Uh, show show what jobs look like. And they would come through and they'd sit down. You just have a five minute chat, and then the bell would go, and they'd all move around to the next one. And and so they got they'd see loads of people. This is an online version, I think. And this is so so um, for uh, this is was it this is engineering week or I think anyway there was a real human library session that happened early in the year that was a great success. And I think this is a bit of a development on that. So it's talking about our roles specifically and how they make a difference to people. Um, so yeah, so, it's, so it should be good. So loads of stuff will be pinging up under the hashtags, um, uh, yeah, under the Rail Week hashtag. So uh, there should be some interesting stuff pinging up. It should be good. And then the RDG are closing us out. And I think there are some more Rail Week events not in Rail Week next week. So I think there's some competitions that I'm judge a uh, judge on a competition that I think gets Ooh. the results are announced on on Monday next week. So there's still more right. Rail Week stuff happening. Um, oh, I love it. You just have real, real week every week. Yeah. I know, right? Um, so questions. We've had a few questions uh, ping in. Um, yeah. So uh, there we are. So James P is asking, is kind of pointing, is wondering about how surprising it is that we've got uh, an aging workforce given, you know, given the percentages of, of different groups. Uh, well, potentially, but uh, I think that the the issue is particularly that in the way that the railways have been, the structure of the railways over the last sort of um, thirty years. We've got this shortage in, in 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 kind of middle level, which is which, and the middle level engineers generally, certainly in terms of skills and training, are the ones who train the ones below. And the senior engineers don't have as much time, so there's a risk of us losing skills out of the industry entirely. 
Um, so it's kind of why it's so critical that we kind of backfill young engineers. Any thoughts yeah, on that, Harriet? I think, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. If we don't do something now, then we're, we're going to be pretty dire straits uh, pretty soon, particularly with um, the demand coming through uh, HS2, larger projects. So yeah. absolutely critical. And I think there's a two-pronged thing. You you target young young students in schools, but you also, I think, effectively try and bring in those transferable skills in the middle mm. layer. Yeah. So the immediate people that can come over who are, you know, engineers in other sectors or have transferable skills, um, you know, in the likes of aviation, as I mentioned earlier. I think that's also really critical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, there's a hackathon tomorrow, RDG. I can't, well, I t basically, you can go into, so that link, if you look up Rail Week and just go onto the events page on the Rail Week website, that, that, all that stuff will appear. Um, is there a way for old duffers to learn on the job or are people expected to find the money to go to university before they can get in? Well, this is the advantage of the level five and level six apprenticeships is that you can learn on the job at a degree, you know, aiming for a degree level coming out with a bachelor's or um, or similar. So I think that's the industry is structure is changing to allow people to work on the job, given that university is off putting as a financial prospect, particularly if you're not going in as an undergrad. If you've already trained and you don't get the support to pay fees, nine grand a year is completely prohibitively expensive. So, yeah. I think, Harry, any, yeah. any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely echo what, you, what you're saying. I think, um, yeah, we've got to, we've got to open up those opportunities, put me in apprenticeships and um, kind of paid working um, stints as well to help people yeah, yeah. progress into the industry. And different roles, certainly, I mean, within permanent way engineering, actually, there's not more permanent way engineers are generally um, have, have come up through technician routes and, and indeed on the job training rather than so my discipline is, is 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 i'm in a minority of people who've actually done a degree within my discipline actually so there's there's a yeah so so you don't always have to have gone the traditional traditional route through university to end up even as an engineer let alone in other technical roles um good right. question uh let's have a look uh oh that's an interesting and brief one irish craft beer show asks uh would an engineer in the rail industry need to have a driving license uh <laughs> no <laughs> no you don't do you have one? <laughs> I do now. I didn't when I joined the rail industry. I didn't have a driving license actually. I oh, okay. um, and it was fine. I uh, yeah, it was fine. You can get trains to most places and lifts to most places, and it's pretty rare that you go out on shift on your own anyway. So, um, if you are out on site, but in the in most cases, it's not not really an issue. Um, I think uh, I ended up having lifts to when I had site shift in my first year or two. At uh, they did say that it was a good idea to get a driving license, but um. I didn't, yeah. I didn't get one initially. It's and fine. who knows? Maybe the, the future's clearly driverless, right? So um, No, no, bit. no, boo. <laughs> um, controversial. Matt, what, Matt Reed asks, what is the rail industry doing to encourage more women to choose it? Well, we've talked about sort of women in rail and some of these other initiatives, but are there any other initiatives that you haven't touched on, Harriet, that you can think of that, um, that, that uh, are encouraging more women to take it up? I mean, there's actually, there's so many. Um, I don't know whether we should um, actually do a little summary after, but, um, you know, I, I think there's also some some great partnerships. And, and I mentioned STEMETs before, mm. but I think they are, I mean, it's an absolutely fantastic charity that, you know, use people in the industry to then go out and speak to young women and take up, uh, you know, positions within the STEM industry. And I, I, they're super empowering and uh, do really great stuff and work with government and, and the industry as well. So... Um, that'd be my, my key one, but I can, I can send some others. I think within the industry, there's lots. Organizations are really, really pulling together on this. And, you know, even my own experience within the Women's Network at TFL, chaired that for a couple of years and absolutely fantastic. We're making real headway, getting it on the, on the conversation. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few, there's, um, oh, there's some interesting people pointing out that tram drivers don't legally require a, a car driving license. 
Um, but it's generally included as a job requirement. Oh, that's an interesting little tidbit. Thanks, Chris McKenna, for that one. Um, yeah, there's some great questions coming through. I'm conscious of time. So um, we've had some great questions coming through. There's been some really good chat. I, I mean, uh, the best thing about Real Matter is a lot of the questions kind of get answered by people in the chat, which is nice. So thanks thanks to all the people joining in the chat and answering. Uh, but Harriet and I, we can, you know, I'm sure we can both answer questions um, later on. If you send messages through Discord, I can relay them back to Harriet and we can get answers back. Um, and likewise through Twitter and all the normal, and indeed the YouTube comments. This is a YouTube video, isn't it? I forget this. So in the yeah. YouTube comments afterwards, send send your questions. So um it only remains for us to kind of close out, really. So, uh, yeah, firstly, as as ever, this was, I don't know how well a job we did of, of audio describing, but, um, yeah, we're available on all good podcasting platforms. So uh, pick this up uh, after the fact if you want to listen to it again uh, in audio only. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, Patreon. So you can go onto my Patreon to just support this sort of thing continues to happen, uh, choosing future episodes, themes, guests, all that sort of good stuff. Um Discord. I've talked about the Discord quite a lot. GarethDennis.co.uk slash Discord um, is where there's, there's where you can go and ask some of these career questions. And not just of me, because actually I'm quite early in my career. My experiences aren't necessarily all-worldly. They're definitely not all-worldly. Um, I would strongly recommend going in there because there is a wealth of real professionals who have now been joining in and, and, and answer questions. There's lots of chats about things like CVs. Uh, what to include, what not to include. Um, job applications get shared on there. It's great stuff. I, I, it, there's lots of discussion about it being split out, actually, uh, because there are so many different career chats going on. So um, it might be that I grow that and it becomes a big... Because it's it's exciting. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. Um, and then something about PayPal, but we won't worry about that too much. Um, so that's that stuff. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, next week, we were talking about accessibility a little bit. Well... We were talking about getting into the rail industry. Well, the next next week's episode is about getting into trains, uh, which is <laughs> this is a, a subject incredibly close to my heart. And I'm going to basically do a lot of myth busting about why uh, all of the excuses the rail industry has for this not being a thing yet are rubbish and why we need to get on with it. Um, so join in, join in next week for that. That should be an interesting one where we talk about is level boarding on trains really that hard to achieve? Short answer, no. But uh, if you want a, an hour to an hour and a half of complete waffle around that subject including pretty pictures and graphics then join in um yeah all really remains to say thank you harriet so much that's been brilliant oh thank you gareth honestly my treat it's been a pleasure absolutely awesome it's been so good yeah it's been a really good chat rail week is continuing so you know more rail week stuff we're both going to be kind of wired into that the next couple of days there's so much stuff going on um yeah it's it's great and 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 it would be a pleasure to have you on to talk about transport planning a bit more in a bit more deep we've not had a planner on yet despite most of the stuff i talk about actually being planning rather than engineering no way well i'm happy to fly the transport planner flag absolutely happy to come back on and have a have a natter Excellent. just let me know when you're free <laughs> well, that's that's it good stuff we shall do that lots of thank yous coming through on the chat thanks everyone um yes we will have all sorts of yes to all these things lots of thank yous rail natter chat you've been brilliant harriet it's been a pleasure and uh thank you so much Cheerio right. from both of us. Cheers. Cheerio. Bye.